Amen. That was a blessing, isn't it? That is so sweet to see a mother and a daughter sings for the glory of God. Amen. And such a sweet message also that we heard tonight from that song. So thank you for ministering to us, Sister Sally, and your lovely daughter. Uh, thank you for uh, just being here tonight. Thank God it's Friday. Amen. T-G-I-F. Thank God it's Friday. Uh, I have something here that um, supposed to make you smile about Friday. Of course, um, we know uh, one of the best day of the week is Sunday, isn't it? Because uh, that's the day that we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth as a church, as a congregation. The first day of the week, we'd like to give God all the first things in our lives. But of course, Friday is also good, especially for our brethren who are you know, working uh, the whole week. And uh, somebody asked, what comes after Black Friday? It's Broke Saturday, isn't it? And why is Friday a happy day? Because the next day is Saturday, isn't it? <laughs> Saturday. That's why Friday is a happy day. What's the worst thing that can happen on a Friday? When you realize it's still Thursday. Okay? <laughs> so what did the lazy person do the day after Friday? Sat. Day. Yeah, just sat on Saturday. Well, something's about Friday. But uh, aren't you glad you're in church tonight? In the last day of the month of March. And um, I remember, I think Pastor Abel said that uh, Every gising is a blessing, amen? So today, uh, with the testimonies, thank God for another um, day of life that God had provided and also the opportunity to uh, study God's Word. And how many of you are enjoying your Friday Bible studies, amen? And uh, thank God for the freedom to continue to, uh, you know, bring our Bible study with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. So thank you for all our Bible study leaders for your faithfulness. And for your consistency and for your, uh, you know, I could say sometimes uh, sacrifices, labor of love that you have to do. So those uh, gathering will continue. So we pray that uh, we'll continue to grow in the Lord together. And uh, as I'm the speaker of every last Friday of the month, uh, we will continue our studies in the 20s of the Bible. It's like a jet view of uh, the Bible study from Genesis to Revelation. So we had studied about creation, and we know uh, that's the basic building block of any uh, Christian, foundational truth. Amen? Uh, can you recite it with me, Genesis 1-1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that's foundational, isn't it? And the first 11 chapters of the book of Ge Genesis is uh, literal, amen? It's not what other uh, denominations are teaching. It's just a myth or it's just uh, a spiritualization, but literally God created the whole world. That's the start, the beginning, isn't it? Of human race, of marriage, of sin, and uh, God's judgment. So it's, it's really... Uh, a good thing that we need to have that nailed in in our hearts and lives. Amen? 
that God is the sovereign uh, ruler, sovereign uh, beginning of all things. Then corruption, of course, it comes uh, the sin that plunges humanity to the curse of death and decay and all the bad negative deeds. Amen? It's all the uh, cause of sin. And then cataclysm, we see that God is a holy God and God has to punish sin. So there's that um, global flood in the times of Noah. And then comes uh, the repopulation of the earth through Noah's sons, who are his three sons, where the whole human race was, you know, uh, scattered and repopulated the whole earth. Shem, Ham, and Japheth, all right? And God said for them to scatter all over the world, but they did not listen, and they stayed in one place, and they tried to build the Tower of Babel with their uh, leader Nimrod. It's like uh, united they fall, divided they could stand, isn't it? So what happened is that God has to come down. We see the Trinity again in creation. Let us make money in our image. And he said in that, in that part, let us go down and confound their language. So Babel means confusion. So that's the start of the nations. And God start, uh, stopped dealing with the whole world as a whole and he started calling a family. His name is Abraham. That's the call where uh, the promised Messiah would continue to go on and it's going to uh, come to a point that this family, this man will start the Jewish nation, the Hebrew nation, where God will give the law and the promise to be a light to the rest of the nations. But uh, they did not stay uh, in the promised land after, you know, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then Joseph with the great famine. They did not go back to the promised land. They stayed in Goshen, and they were uh, enslaved by that Pharaoh. So uh, we see that uh, God has to raise a leader, Moses, isn't it? To free them and deliver them and bring them to the promised land until the time of uh, Joshua. And they had uh, camp, and they had uh, also be able to conquer the promised land that God has given them, but not all, because they're not fully obedient, isn't it? But God is merciful to his people, and then God also gave them king, because they asked for a king, and that's the crown part. We see... Uh, Israel's first king, Saul, and Israel's uh, finest king, David, and Israel's most fabulous king, Solomon. So today we're going to go to the captivity. Amen? So that's our uh, lesson today, found in 1 Kings chapter 12. So i just give you a jet overview of what we've uh, covered so far. So um, we'll have a word of prayer first before we go to the lesson. And once again, I'm, I'm so blessed to be here tonight. And thank God for all the songs we've sung about heaven. It makes that place uh, sweeter, you know? Uh, when we remember our departed loved ones, you know, like Pastor Max, my mom, and, and the rest of our uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord. Thank God for the Bible. Amen? That's uh, give us that wonderful promise and a guarantee promise that there is a reunion. Uh, one of these days. And thank God that our confidence is always in God's word. Amen? Because God always keeps his word. So let's have a word of prayer. Father God in heaven, we thank you for this beautiful evening, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to study your word together. Thank you for the attendance of thy people, for their desire.
to hear from thy word. Thank you, Lord, for um, this time that we can uh, study um, the chosen nation of Israel. And we know, Lord, that the Bible is written for our example. And even though this is history, we can learn from history. And we can, uh, by God's grace, Lord, be wiser as the days go by. And truly, Lord, we need thy uh, patience and mercy in our lives, Lord. Um, once again, we ask for your cleansing and forgiveness for any sins that we've committed against you. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you give me the strength and the wisdom to rightly divide the word of truth. And we thank you, Lord, for once again uh, the faithfulness of thy people. Bless your word upon our hearts tonight. Keep us safe as we have this Bible study. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. First Kings chapter 12. We don't have time to read uh, the whole chapter. But if you look at verses 16 and 17, uh, the Bible says, So when all Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, now see to thine own house, David, so Israel departed unto their tents. But as for the children of Israel which dwelt in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Notice that phrase, Rehoboam reigned over them. So here's a major division in the Old Testament. Israel is now split. From having one king, from Saul, who is chosen by the people, but David was chosen by God. Amen? And Solomon, of course, was chosen by God. He started well, but he ended up bad, isn't it? He asked God for the best thing that a man can ever ask, wisdom. And in return, God gave him the rest a king could ask. Like peace among his enemies, long life, wealth, and everything. But he started well until idols, isn't it? Uh, ruined him. And uh, he disobeyed God's calling. That's why he wrote those books like Ecclesiastes that a man can have everything under the sun. Fame, fortune, female, you know, wealth, but without God's blessing, without God's guidance, it's futile. It's emptiness. It's in vain, isn't it? So he said there in, uh, I think Brother Christian mentioned this verse in uh, the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the last verse. Now, hear the conclusion thereof. Huh? Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Isn't it? When we fear God and obey Him, even if you're poor, amen? If you don't have much in this world, you are the most blessed person because you know and understand and do God's will. So this is the time that Israel is now split. The Hebrew nation has much in common with the U.S. in its history, isn't it? The Hebrew nation has much in common with the U.S. in its history. We can have some parallels between um, Israel and America. Both were founded on the Word of God. Do you agree? Yes. yes. That's why uh, this country is so blessed, even though it's so young compared to China, India, and other European countries. God has birthed America more than 240-something uh, years ago because the Founding Fathers had the fear of God. The Declaration of Independence, the, the Constitution were based on the moral grounds of the Judeo-Christian law. 
And they, uh, you know, uh, preach the gospel. They send missionaries. That's why America was blessed by God because no other nation was founded like America or like Israel, that, like America, isn't it? So it was founded on the Word of God. But sad to say, revisionists try to rewrite history and say that this country was not founded as a Christian nation. And they are around, isn't it? In uh, mainstream media, in education system, in, in politics. Because the devil hates what America has been standing for. For many, many years, isn't it? Standing for the gospel. Standing for Israel. Its support as its uh, number one ally. So we can also see that both were tragically divided by civil war, isn't it? Between the north and the south. Here in America, it was the south who seceded from the north. But it was the other way around Israel. Alright? So who's the rebel now? <laughs> the north or the south? Alright? So Israel, uh, they had three kings for 40 years, Saul, David, and Solomon. Then Solomon's son, Rehoboam, came on the scene, and uh, sad to say, he was a knucklehead, all right? Uh, he was a young, arrogant, prideful man. He led the nation into apostasy and civil war. And that war lasted for almost 3,000 years until this day. Until 70 AD, when Titus, the Roman general, decimated Jerusalem, the Jews, and they were scattered all over the earth, and all hope was lost for a complete reunification. If you look at history, if you remember our study in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, Christ was uh, being asked by the disciples, When is the uh, end of the ages? What is the sign of thy coming? And take note, the Jews. Theology were fixed on that time. When will be the Messiah come and free us from the Roman tyranny? When will he set his kingdom? So they were thinking about that. But if we look at the scriptures, they are the initial fulfillment of that prophecy and the long-term fulfillment of that prophecy, isn't it? It's going to go all the way to the tribulation and about the abomination of desolation, all those things, isn't it? But here, we see that all hope was lost for a complete reunification. The Israelite people were in a diaspora. They were scattered all over the world until May 14, 1948. Amen? When the prophecy was fulfilled by Ezekiel and Daniel that Israel will re be reborn as a nation in a day. And we can see here the infallibility of God's word. That God is true to his word. That we can trust the Bible because it has hundreds and hundreds of fulfilled prophecy. He, hundreds of years before it happened, the word of God predicted that it will happen and it came to pass. Just in the first coming of Christ alone, there are hundreds of prophecies that have been fulfilled. You know, 2017, even the previous administration announced Jerusalem is supposed to be the capital of Israel. Never before any American president there to say that, isn't it? So we're in that stage of the end times. And we know there will be no complete peace until the Prince of Peace sets it up in the millennium. Amen? But thanks be to God, we have the peace of God now. 
in our lives. We have the peace with God because we got saved. Amen? We have the peace, the Bible says, that passes understanding for a Christian who is in the midst of some severe suffering or turmoil in life. Because if you have Christ, as Sister Sally had sang, isn't it? And Sarah, then you have everything. You have a Savior, you have a friend. Amen? But thanks be to God, even right now, in the midst of chaos and confusion, when we read God's word, when we look at God's promises, we can find calmness and tranquility. We can find, you know, assurance that God will give us peace. And if we look at Revelation chapter 7, it gives us a glimpse into the tribulation period when the kingdom is starting to come together. Because in that chapter, we see here that God is never finished with this nation Israel. He will send the 144,000 male Jewish evangelists to preach all over the world during that time. And the whole nation of Israel will be revived. And we know the story, isn't it? The Antichrist will deceive them, will have a false treaty. They thought he's the Messiah that they're waiting for until three and a half years. They'll be able to rebuild the temple, but that Antichrist will sacrifice a swine, a pig, and defile the temple, and he will turn against them and try to annihilate them. But God will save his people. God will use these two witnesses, even Moses, maybe Moses and Elijah, Moses or Enoch, to give witness that God is not yet through with his people, that God is still going to show mercy to those who will call upon his name. But for those who are unrepentant and will harden their heart, God's judgment will surely be upon them. The next, the northern kingdom was known as Israel and their capital is Samaria and the southern kingdom was known as Judah. Jeroboam became the ruler on the north and Rehoboam is over the south. That's why we read in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 1 to 4, uh, the Bible says there, And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel were come to Shechem to make him king. A history here. And it came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was yet in Egypt, heard of it, for he was fled from the presence of King Solomon, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt. And they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came. And they spake unto Rehoboam, saying, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father, and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter. And we will serve thee. Wow, that's a good, good uh, uh, request, isn't it? All right. So the children of Israel feel taken advantage of by their government. Again, we have much in common with them. Amen. You feel uh, the strain right now? Huh? All right. After Solomon died, the people chose Jeroboam to go to Rehoboam and serve as their spokesman. They wanted relief from oppressive taxation. In the context of this chapter, our forefathers, even in America, left England for many reasons, including taxation without representation. And of course, they came also here predominantly for the purpose of having religious freedom, isn't it? The pilgrims, they, they don't want that state religion that the king had imposed to them. They want to serve and worship God the way they want to do it biblically. Amen? And we thank God for those pilgrims, for those devoted Christians who look for a place to worship God, to exercise their 
God-given liberties. So, verse 4, we read there that Solomon had left being a shepherd leader to being a slave driver. He imposed a lot of heartaches with them. So in verse 5 and 6, Rehoboam did a couple things right. He took time to make his decision and got advice from his elders. We read, And he said unto them, Depart yet for three days, then come again to me. And the people departed. And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men. Amen. Gray hairs are signs of wisdom. Amen. In the multitude of counsel, there is safety, isn't it? The Bible says in the book of Proverbs. So it says there, he consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon, his father, while he yet lived. All right? So these people are also parang nahanginan din sila ng wisdom ni Solomon, isn't it? Because these old men who used to, you know, advise Solomon or Solomon advising them as they converse uh, on the political decisions or, you know, what is good for the kingdom. So they have, they have really wisdom. And understanding. So it's a good thing Rehoboam consulted them, he says, and their answer is, speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. Good counsel, isn't it? But see here in verses 7 to 9, Rehoboam did not listen to the old men. He listened to his peers. He said, what's the lesson here? Young people have many decisions to make and little experience. Maybe I'm speaking here to the young people. Uh, maybe it's also applicable to me. <laughs> All right? Their elders have much experience and no decisions to make. All right? It's God's will to get the two together. Amen? The old and the young. Like even in the epistle, isn't it? The young a woman should learn from the older woman. As Apostle Paul said in the book of Timothy. All right? It's God's will to get the two together, the elder and the younger, and share generationally, so to speak. Sometimes there is a generational gap. And we can even notice it right now, diba? The, the gap between the first and second generation, the culture, the language barrier. But by God's grace, we can close that gap and work out something for mutual benefit of each other. All right? So what happened in verses 7 and 9? Rehoboam already knew what he wanted to do, so he looked for someone else to back him up, these young ones. So sometimes people do that all the time. Sometimes our kids go from one parent to another to find their way. So somebody will agree with them, isn't it? People sometimes sad to say go to different pastors and churches looking for someone to say what they already have decided to do. So they can feel better about doing it. Like it's a, a conscience soothing, so to speak. But we should find someone who will tell us the truth. Not some friend who will say what we want them to say. So if you have a friend that hurts your feeling because they tell the truth, you have a true friend. <laughs> right? Because a true friend loves it at all times. And a brother is born... For adversity, the Bible says, isn't it? Because if they will just condone you when you are on the wrong path, then they're not really a true friend. And a lot of you, probably, you have some good Christian friend, amen, that do that for you. You're blessed, amen? Treasure them. Keep that relationship up. Look at verse 10 and 11. 
uh, in the American colloquial language, you think you had it rough with my dad, Rehoboam probably may be saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. All right? So he did not listen to the counsel of the old man who had wisdom. He listened to the younger man. Just give them more taxes. Give them more labor. You know, do this for them. The result was a divided kingdom in a civil war. All right? I think I have uh, some slides here of uh, some pictures. All right, there's the divided kingdom. If you look at your Bible maps, Israel to the north, Judah to the south. Judah's capital, of course, is Jerusalem. And Samaria is in Israel, all right? So that's the land mass during that time. All right, next. All right, here. Uh, the result was a divided kingdom. Rehoboam destroyed in one day what took his father's 120 years to put together because he would not listen to wisdom and decided to take the low road. All right? Verses 16 to 17, Jerome, Jeroboam is now over the north, Rehoboam over the southern kingdom. This is important to understand from here on out as you study the Bible. Now Israel is a divided nation. They always have had many enemies from without but also from within. You read about Israel invading Jerusalem. All right? And you scratch your head. Like, how come? Because they were divided. There's a civil war. Jerusalem, as I said, was the capital of the southern and Samaria of the northern. So here is the stats. The kingdom of Israel, north, you know, lasted for 200 years after the division. They had 17 kings. And you know what? None of them were good. None of them were godly. All of them were evil. They displeased God. In spite of the many pleadings of the prophets. Warning them, teaching them. So here are the prophets. Amos, Obadiah, Hosea, Micah, and other minor prophets were trying to minister to each of the kingdoms. They were calling both to get right with God and with each other or else. And then the northern prophets include Amos, Jonah, Hosea, and Micah. Alright, that's why because they were... The writings are to the north. That's why they're northern prophets. Amen? All right? Then the southern prophets include Obadiah, Habakkuk, Joel, Zephaniah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, also Lamentations, and Nahum. And then you will see there were also two oral prophets who wrote no books, but did some great preaching to the kingdoms. Remember? Elijah and Elisha. Elisha who... As for a double portion of Elijah, the prophet of fire, and he performed miracles twice as more as Elijah. All right? And these are people that God used to try to redirect his people to God. More about Jeroboam, the northern king of Israel. He faced a problem right away. He didn't have Jerusalem to worship in. Three times a year, they needed to travel to worship, but they couldn't do that. So he started his own religion to false gods. That's why there's no good king because they started very poorly, very wrong during that time. All right? His fourfold blasphemy, Jeroboam. All right? We'll go to this quickly. First, he changed the religious symbols. First Kings 12, 28. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods. Sounds familiar, isn't it? What happened here? 
If you remember when Moses was used by God to, you know, free the almost two million Jews from slavery in Egypt and Pharaoh. And then he was in Mount Sinai for 40 days, 40 nights, getting the commandments from God that the people got impatient. And they said, we don't know what happened to Moses. And they asked Aaron to make them a god. And Aaron was compromising. Give me your earrings and your gold and bracelets. And, you know, he molded them and he made a little calf like one of the gods in Egypt for them to worship. Imagine that, no? After great delivery, they, they soon forget. After being rescued from slavery, after those miraculous uh, uh, deliverance of God, the ten plagues of Egypt, the dividing of the Red Sea, and all those wonderful things, they already turned their hearts from God. They start, you know, doing all this immorality and idol worship and and. And God was so wrought. And he wants to wipe them out when Moses came down, isn't it? And Moses just interfered for them. He said, God said, if you remember, Moses, I'll annihilate them. I will start a new nation with you. But Moses was just very meek and patient. He intervened with them. So this is what happened here. He made two cups of gold and they said, behold thy gods. That's why this is blasphemy. Secondly, he changed worship centers. Bethel and Dan were to be the new ones instead of Jerusalem. But look at 1 Kings eleven thirty six. And unto his son will I give one tribe that David, my servant, may have a light always before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen me to put my name there. One of the most hotbed location in the whole wide world, Jerusalem. When we were there in our Israel pilgrimage, you know, World War III can happen in uh, that part of Jerusalem where the Dome of the Rock is, where, you know, only a few yards. Actually, Israel can build their temple, but there's, uh, it's a hot place. Alam natin, di ba? Nag-aaway dun yung Muslim world and uh, Semite world, all right? Jewish world. Pag may gumalaw dun, oh, gera na yan, di ba? That's why uh, we know that in the end times, God will, will get what uh, uh, he promised to the, the people of Israel. If they recognize Jesus as the Messiah, amen? But right now, they don't. They're put in the shelf. So the worship center is always Jerusalem. Of course, it's the city of peace, amen? Because Christ went there, you know? And Christ is a prince of peace that will come one day to rule and reign in perfect unity and harmony. Number three, degraded the priesthood. Anyone right now in, during this time, during Jeroboam, could become a priest, not just from the tribe of Levi, as the Bible says. Look at 1 Kings 12, 31. 1 Kings 12, 31. The Bible says, And he made a house of high places and made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not the sons of Levi. You cannot really perform priestly duties if you're not in that tribe. So, that's a blasphemy that Jeroboam did. The number four offered incense himself. We know that Saul did this, isn't it? Where's, uh, how come Samuel said, the, I can hear the bleeding of the sheep, you know, and all this and that. And we, we found that famous phrase in the passage of scripture, to obey is better than sacrifice. Because Saul said, oh, I, I, 
I preserved the best of the sheep because I want to sacrifice it to God. But he did not completely obey God. God is looking for obedience. So Saul did this. He sacrificed even though he's not a priest. Now Jeroboam and later Uzziah also did this. God punished all three for this. Look at chapter 12, verse 33. So he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel the 15th day of the 8th month, even in the month which he had devised of his own heart, and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel, and he offered upon the altar and burnt incense. So that was blasphemy. So how did God deal with him for this, Jeroboam? Chapter 13, verse 1 to 4, he was paralyzed in the act. His hand withered, the Bible says there, and later his son died as further punishment. So God even judged the whole nation for this. And the north was overthrown by repeated invasions by the Assyrians. That's why they only lasted 200 years. On the other side, Judah, which is from the south, had 19 kings and lasted about 200 years longer. So 400 years. They had a few good kings and also bad ones. But the temple was destroyed. Jerusalem was burned. And God's people were homeless. Imagine the feeling of being overthrown as a people. Then come the Babylonians. They defeated the southern kingdom. And God's people were taken into captivity. That's the next C. For 70 years. In some slides here. All right, the Babylonian captivity. One of the four nations that will rule during the times of the Gentiles prophesied by Daniel with that statue, isn't it? The head is gold and silver and then bronze and then iron and clay at the bottom. So that represents the Babylonian, Medo-Persian, Grecian Empire, and then the Roman Empire. All right, so first the Babylonian, they take them into captivity. So the prophets tried to warn them of these dangers, but they were scorned and persecuted then all their prophecies against them were fulfilled. You see, God would rather see his land devastated, Jerusalem ruined, the temple destroyed, and his people exiled, than to see his people be such a bad testimony about what it means to follow him. And Israel learned the hard way. And once again, parallel to America, America is headed for judgment as well. Isn't it? A lot of missionaries are saying it's a post-Christian nation with what's happening right now. How long will God's mercy hold out? You know, we have some verses here. I think Proverbs 14, 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Have you seen yung mga issue ngayon? Moral issue? About ng mga gender, ng marriage, ng abortion, di ba? Naglilin na talaga, hindi lang liberal eh. Extreme liberal na. You know? Na pwede mong patayin hanggang nine months. Diba? So, talagang nakaka takot po. Diba? But, uh, we need to pray. We need to ask God for mercy. When evil is being called good and good is being called evil. You know? When you preach Jesus, it's, it's offensive now. Because people are saying, you know, there are other ways to go to heaven, to God. And if you say it's only Jesus, that, that's offensive. That's not, you know, fair. But what, how, what can we argue against God's word? Amen? 
is the truth. Actually, it's fair because anyone can believe. Anyone can know the truth that Jesus loves them, that he died for their sin, he rose again for them. And that's the simple way of salvation. Anyone can believe and put their faith and trust in Christ. And we are so blessed because God found us. Amen? Amen. God saved us. So let's pray for America. Proverbs 29.2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked bear it rule, the people mourn. It's true. It's true. I'd like to uh, recite a quote inscribed at the Je Jefferson Memorial. I think I have a slide there. God who gave us life, gave us liberty. Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed a conviction that these liberties are the gift of God? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. His justice cannot sleep forever. Alam nyo, medyo napamahal na rin America sa atin, no? Kahit na-naturalize lang tayo rito. Hindi tayo born and raised dito. Hindi tayo lumaki dito. Kasi nga, you know, our family is here. You know, and God used this so we can bless others. We can be a child of blessing to others. So, nalulungkot lang tayo what is going on. But God is still on the throne. Amen? God has still remnants. God has still people that He can use. So, ma kapatid, magpatuloy lang po tayo. So, it's always a blessing to see you here in the church and your love for the Word of God. So, here, we'll end here. God's children right now are in a foreign land as slaves in Babylon. They are there in prison. They are there in captivity for 70 years. And why are they there for 70 years? Maybe you already know the answer, isn't it? It was to pay off a debt to God. The Old Testament law had what was called a land Sabbath that they were to observe every seven years. They had to allow the land to lie fallow or rest, because Sabbath means rest, for each seven years. But the Israelite people become greedy. They did not follow it. For 490 years, they violated that law. Remember the, the, the dream of uh, Joseph when he was before Pharaoh about the seven skinny cows, then the seven skinny corn, you know, that ate, you know, the fat ones. And then God gave Joseph the wisdom to interpret it, isn't it? God will bless the first six, uh, five years of the harvest. Even the sixth year is going to be double. So we can have enough for the seven years of famine, isn't it? So what happened here? God has always blessed them on the sixth year. There's enough harvest, but they become greedy. They did not allow the land to rest. So they violated that law for 490 years. So 490 divided by 7 is 70. So they have to pay and God has to collect their debts. Here's a prophecy about these hundreds of years before it happened. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 32 to 35. All right? And I will bring the land into desolation, and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it. And I will scatter you among the heathen, and will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate, and your city's waste. Then shall the land enjoy her Sabbath. As long as it lieth desolate and ye be in your enemy's land, even then shall the land rest, enjoy her Sabbath. As long as it lieth desolate, it shall rest, because it did not rest in your Sabbaths when ye dwell upon it. 
Now here's when it actually took place. Second Chronicles 36, verse 18 to 21. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king, and of his princes, all this he brought to Babylon. Because they did not allow the land to rest. And they burned the house of God and break down the wall of Jerusalem. Very sad scenario. And burned all the palaces thereof with fire and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. And them that had escaped from the sword carry he away to Babylon, where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia. To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. For as long as they she lay desolate. She kept her Sabbath to fulfill three score and ten years. Payday someday. God kept his word. So, what's the application here? I believe all Christians pay their tithes. Amen? Either willingly or by force. You can give it to God or God will take it to you by force. One way includes promised blessings those and the other way we won't like. But God will always get his. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 to 11. We know this verse of scripture. So it's even better just to give it to God. Amen? Voluntarily, out of love, cheerfully. Since he owns everything. Since we are laying up treasures in heaven. Since we are just trying to obey his commands. Since like we cannot keep anything forever in this life. So give it away so God can use it for his glory. Because he knows your needs. So once you get to the book of Ezra, the 70 years have been fulfilled. King Cyrus of Persia issued proclamation that the Jews could return home. All right, we know three, we have three waves of the return of the Jews. Zerubbabel, he built the temple. Ezra, he rebuilt the worship. The Nehemiah, he rebuilt the walls and the gates that were broken down. Look at Ezra chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. I miss my son, Ezra. Ezra chapter 1 verse 2. Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven had given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he had charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God, which is in Jerusalem. God can use even a pagan king. Amen? To fulfill his will because God is the supreme ruler. He is the sovereign king of all. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the man of his place help him with silver. Sounds familiar when the people of God left Egypt, isn't it? They were able to borrow, bribe, get some stuff from the Egyptians. They were able to spoil them. That's the right biblical word. Because they did not give them wages for 400 years. All right? But even this, help them with silver and with gold, with goods and with beasts, beside the free will offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Wow, amazing. God has always has a plan and a purpose for his people. What's the lesson here? Cyrus says, he says, you just have a choice. You can go do the work or stay and help pay for it. Much like our missions program, amen? You can give or you can go. You can give or you can go. All right? Ready for a blessing? Lastly, this next verse was written 170 years prior to the event. Second Kings 
chapter 23, verse 15 and 20, I think the prophecy was fulfilled in Isaiah 44, 28. Isaiah 44, 28. That said of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be built unto the temple, thy foundation shall be laid. And it came to pass during the time of Zerubbabel, isn't it? It's another incredible proof of the reli reliability of the word of God. It dares to predict the future and it has never been wrong. You can trust the Bible in your hands. Amen? You can trust the Bible that you're reading, that you're believing. It's always true. Jeremiah 25, 11. Jeremiah 25, 11. And this whole land shall be desolation and astonishment. And this nation shall serve the king of Babylon 17 years. Here the length is predicted 150 years previous to it happening. That's awesome. Amen? From the Bible. That's why we don't want to give our lives to a lie, but to the truth. And we have the truth. And we can have confidence that we have the word of God. Amen. Next time will be the next C, construction. And uh, let's bow our heads for prayer. Thank you for your time. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this uh, lesson that we have history about the captivity of thy people. Uh, thank you, Lord, that as Christians, we were captive by sin before. It's a curse, it's penalty, but through Jesus Christ, our Lord, as Caesar Sally had sung, we found forgiveness. We found freedom. We found a savior and a friend. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that uh, these are uh, written for our example. We can learn, Lord, from example of thy people that you know, sometimes they are rebellious and hard-headed, but you are a loving Father who is still so merciful and gracious. And we can really, Lord, relate to that in, even in our life right now. For the times that we fail you, Lord, we've been unfaithful, but you are always there to remind us, Lord, of what we ought to do. Thank you, Lord, for being so patient to us. And we pray for this country. America, Lord, may your mercy, Lord, be upon it. We pray, Lord, that all of us here will have a ministry of reaching out to someone, to others, and encourage them in the Lord. And thank you, Lord, for those who are always willing and available to share the gospel and give them the heart's desire to uh, open to this door of opportunity is to share our faith. And it's always a blessing, Lord, for us to be able to do that. And help our church, Lord, to keep on focusing on, on Thee, that our ministries will gear to, Lord, uh, strengthening our faith so in return we can also reach others for Jesus. Lord, be with our community here, Lord, and help us, Lord, to be a good testimony before them. And uh, we pray for your safety and guidance for all of us. As we depart from this place, thank you once again, Lord, for your word that we've uh, studied tonight. Bless thy people who are with us virtually and also for our folks that are here uh, inside the church. Uh, keep them safe and bless the rest of this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for coming and have a wonderful rest of the night.